This is a song for my friends Jared and Gary. They started a podcast and said a theme was necessary. They're just a couple of guys in a band that you know. Some rock star dads who started a show. So here's the next episode. Welcome to the Rockstar Dad Show. We are back right here on Adobe Radio or wherever it is you're listening to podcasts. And if you are listening to a podcast um, version of the show, why not give us a five-star review or, you know, just click subscribe or tell a friend or something, you know, teleport. This is the any, worst. Yeah. Any or all. All of that, like... It would just make our day. It really would. That's Gary. I'm Jarrett, and um, we are from the band Bowling for Soup. I don't even say that much. I guess I just assume everybody knows that listens to the show. Uh, but well, you're famous. You just figure everyone knows that. That's right. I feel like they should recognize the voice from one of 20, 25 fucking places, you know? <laughs> um, man, Gary, it's been... Uh, first of all, I just want to complete the refrigerator saga of, uh, I believe, last week, maybe the week before. And uh, let you guys know that the new refrigerator did did make it, and it's badass. Um, and and it got here with not not really a lot of issues. Just they had to take the door off the um, hinges to get it in, and I had had the door like really really ad- fine tunely adjusted by a dude so that I can use the automatic. I can have Alexa uh, mm-hmm. lock it and unlock it and stuff. So. Anyway, for those of you who were worried about it, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to our Instagram uh, and check out the um, <laughs> the of what my wife did with the hole in the sheetrock. I love it. I've got two questions, though. Okay. So whenever the fridge showed up, I'm assuming you had it delivered, which yeah. means there were like professional movers moving in it, and they didn't slam it into any walls. They didn't. And and here's the thing, though, too. Like nothing against these kids. I mean, they 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 did a great job, but it wasn't like professional movers. Like it it wasn't like the slickest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was three like early twenty something dudes, and one of them was being trained, so they were making him do all the talking. I swear this is true. He called me the first time they called it was like eight thirty in the morning, and I'm on the toilet, and he goes, uh, uh, we're on our way with your TV. <laughs> I, <just> go, <laughs> I go, well, that's not me. He goes, well, yeah, you're and then I just hear, uh, you know, hey, you're looking at the wrong line, you know, and then so he goes, okay, we'll call you later. So I get a call, uh, and, and he says, okay, we're going to be there with your refrigerator in 30 minutes. I, I, I'm like, okay, that's great. And so then like, I can see like on the tracker thing that they're almost to my house and the phone rings again. And he goes, um, yes, sir. Uh, we're going to be there in 45 minutes with your refrigerator. And I go, Okay, you know, whatever, like I'm here anyway. So then the door, they knock on the door and I just open the door and I go, hey, uh, I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I'm hoping you have my refrigerator because y'all just called me and told me you're bringing me another one in like 45 minutes. And apparently they were making the one kid make all the calls and it was his first day and he had no idea what the hell he was doing or what line to read, I guess. But uh, anyway, they did get it. I think on the 45 minute out call, I would have started fucking with him and been like, well, I hope you didn't forget my TV. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I I probably would have. 
had I not been so excited to get this damn refrigerator in here, but I got it. And uh, so that's well, it. But, but go ahead. Did you go? Did you go back through the place with the website that you weren't a fan of? No, I, I, um, I'll tell you where I went because now I told you about the debacle. I, I've told the whole story, right? About how I, yeah, yeah, well, you okay. told the whole story. Okay. So no, I went basically on and searched that model that I wanted and found the one that could be here uh, in a couple of days, and it worked out. It ended up being Best Buy, um, which is cool because I actually really like their their service is really good with the Geek Squad or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't really usually buy extended warranties for anything, but I bought this Samsung refrigerator that's got like all this electronic shit to it. It's got like a like a huge iPad on the front of it, basically. And I was just like, you know, I mean, if that breaks, it just doesn't seem like Jim's handyman repair, you know, is going to know what the hell to do with it, you know? Totally, yeah. And so I, I don't know. It was it, it was an extra like four hundred bucks, and um. And I had to spend more on the refrigerator itself, but it, it all ended up fine. And and it, they got it here, and and they did it. They they really did do a really good job, and um, I'm happy. I was, I, I kind of went through that same thought process we, whenever we got our refrigerator last year. Is um, you know, refrigerators, you think okay, it's going to last ten years, or they should, or in the past they have. Yeah. But now there's so many bells and whistles. Like you said, there's the 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 electronic panel on the front and they have yeah. got the seat warmers and everything for <laughs> refrigerator. So I'm like all that stuff. I don't know that that's going to last for 10 years. So, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like the one that we had, Mike, it was is older than my kids because that was the one that me and the ex bought when we bought our first house, which was before Emma was born. Yeah. So, you know, she just turned 18 but uh, all it did was keep stuff cold. All it did was keep it had ice in the in the door and um that broke twice and I fixed it myself. I mean, you know, like it it was it broke uh in the time of of YouTube. It's been like lately. So, you know, but, uh, you know, 15 years ago that would have been a service call, but and it would have bit pissed me off, but in the time of YouTube, I fixed a bunch more shit myself. Um and it's all based upon how much time we've talked about this. You value your time at how much time it's going to take you to do things. It's like, I don't enjoy mulching my yard and it will take me three hours to do the mulch or whatever, or four maybe. And there's a guy that can come here with two other dudes and do it in 15 minutes. <laughs> and it's worth paying the guy to do it, you know? That yeah, you're not going to the store picking it up, messing with it. Yeah, it's yeah. just done. Plus, I don't own the I don't own a pickup truck. You know, like I have an SUV and it's like it's a pain in the ass to get that kind of shit out of the back of it. You know what I mean? Like it's you can put the stuff down, but it never works. And well, speaking of owning an SUV, uh if you remember from last week, we talked about an Ake's car getting messed up, and so we took it to the one shop and they they tried to upcharge us for a million different things. Anyway, so it's at a different dealership now. We just took it to the dealership to get them to fix a couple of things. Well, they basically told Anique, like, well, we'll just give you a loaner so you have a car, which basically means we're probably buying a new car in a couple of days. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it pretty nice? Yeah, yeah. They gave her like a uh, 2021 yeah. brand new something or other. She's yeah. like, this is nice. Oh, crap. They don't. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, 
I, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but sure, sure, that's why they do that, right? I mean, they, they don't give you a piece of shit anymore. Like, used to, I don't, you know, used to back in the day, you, you, I'd take my Chevy Silverado in to get it fixed or something, and they'd give me some, I don't know what the shitty Chevrolet is, but, you know, now you probably drive out, drive out in a Corvette, you know? <laughs> I bet it's like, uh, you know, if it's got 20,000 miles and it's still under warranty, they're like, yeah, uh, you know, here's an old piece of crap loaner. But whenever you're, you know, at 99,000 miles and, you know, it's a it's an eight year old car, they're probably like, hey, here's a really nice brand new loaner. Well, are you at that point, though, if you've got an eight year old car? <clears throat> um, And what kind of car is it? Uh, Anix is an Enclave. Okay, so you got this Enclave, and isn't that a Chevy? It's a Buick. Buick, that's what I meant. And uh, so a Buick Enclave, it's eight years old. Like, if if that repair comes back and they're like, this is going to be like 700 bucks, are you not thinking, well, fuck, and then we need tires, and we need this, and, you know, like, maybe. Not at 700 bucks, but at, like, Four thousand, yeah. You know? <laughs> Man, this is where you and I are two different people. I once got a new car because my car broke down and it needed tires. And I, I swear, <laughs> I, I was just like, you know, I mean, tires on my kind of car. On the, I drive about the biggest SUV that you can drive. Um, not the most expensive, by the way. All you fuckers, just leave me alone. Like, I, it's just, it's a Nissan Armada. And uh, the tires are fucking expensive on the thing. And the tires were bad. And then something else went out on it that wasn't going to be covered under the warranty. And I was just like, Casey, I'm getting a new car. <laughs> She's just I'm, like, what? I've been, I've been there, too. And I think it was actually, like, tires and something else, too. Mm -hmm. But it was in a situation where, like, that other repair and the tires made it to, like, half the value of the car. And I was probably going to be getting a new car in, a, in another year anyway. So I'm like, well. Screw that. Yeah. Uh, I, it all just depends on how long you think you're you're keeping the car and how much the actual value of the car is to me. You you're you come from a very country uh set of family. Like you're both your sets of grandparents, um, small town, one, you know, in one area of business and the other in farming. And did they all drive their cars into the ground? Like was that a thing? Um that that's a hard one so like the 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 family that's on the farm they drive it into the ground but i mean that happens in like a two or three year period you know because they're just driving them and using them and and you know and they get worn out and they get tons and tons of miles on them so it happens pretty quick they're getting new cars every three years but they're old right. uh my my granddad would drive them for a while but not into the ground. But again, you know, cars used to not go 300,000 miles. Sure. So he was, he was the guy that, you know, if it, if it started approaching a hundred thousand miles, it was time to get a new car. Yeah. My so grandpa probably what, four or five years. My grandparents did the thing where they had like one car that they would drive, that they would drive until literally like it. I mean, like what, one of the cars they only replaced like twice in my lifetime kind of thing. Well, I think that was like the old, oh my gosh, I was going to say it's like an old grandparent thing, but we're kind of doing that now. So maybe we're turning into our grandparents, but they had the thing like my granddad would drive his Suburban or his truck, depending on what it was everywhere. So like that, he would take that all over the country, all over the farm, all over the whatever to work back and forth. And so like that got all the miles. Then they had a Cadillac that was my 
grandmother's car, but she never went anywhere. Right. So then if they like went to the city or went to dinner or something, they would take her car that was a nice car. They would have that thing for 12 years and it would only have 18,000 miles on it. Sure. And that's kind of what we do with Anique's car. Anique's car is old. She drives to work. Anywhere else we go, we take my car. Right. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. And you're, you're so right. Like on the grandparent thing. I mean, um, my, my grandparents did exactly the same thing. They had like a Lincoln or a Cadillac and then the other car was a station wagon. And it was like, my grandpa drove the one to work and back. And then, you know, they, that's sort of like their car. And then me and my brother could throw ketchup all over the other one. You know, whatever that was, was the, that's yeah. the, actually the, um, the station wagon for years that I threw up in on the, before my grandpa even saw it on delivery, uh, driving my, my brother thought it would be fun to sit backwards. My dad sold cars. So he was delivering them their brand new station wagon. And, um, back, back in the day when you folded up the seats in the back, uh, it had a backwards seat in the way he was like, let's ride backwards. And I got car sick, threw up all in my grandpa's, um, in my grandpa's brand new station wagon before he ever even saw it. And he could not have been more cool about it. Like he was just like, this is great. You already broke it in, you know? And my dad was all pissed at me and you know, which I, I would be pissed too. You know, like if you're the one delivering the car, but my grandpa was so cool about it. It was, it was pretty neat. Um, okay. So I, um, I don't think this is too long of a subject to, to introduce. I, I'm curious what you think. As far, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but we've been going two years, and I wonder what your perspective is on it. And then I'm going to tell you uh, what our solution was, and I think you're going to like it. Okay. What age do you think kids should get a phone? And when I say phone, I mean for the sake of communicating with you and you knowing where they are, not to do social media. So that's, I mean, to me, that's rough. Uh, my, my thought process has been, they don't need a phone. Um, I don't really think that I would get Tyler a phone until like he could save up and buy it himself. And I'm not meaning he has to be like 16 and get a real job. But I was thinking like, you know, around the house chores and go sure. break the leaves at my mom's house and what, like he can save up and go buy a phone. Then you know, then reality happens and you start having conversations with other people. And, and I understood that everyone else's kids are getting phones. And then it becomes like, there's a social thing where he's the, maybe the one kid that doesn't have a phone. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I, I, I don't want him to be outed because you know not invited to this or that or, or be the weird kid or whatever that being said some of his friends started getting phones in first grade oh wow. he tyler is in fourth we still don't have a phone for him yeah um i don't know that there is a right or, or wrong age i think it comes up for the the individual circumstances and or what's going on with with the family um but I do think that the kids that were getting phones in first grade, that's ridiculously too young. Well, so here's what happened. Um, we we have always, when Everett has gone out to play, Everett's uh, eight, he's uh, eight and a half, he's in second grade. And anytime he's gone out to play, you know, we're out there and and uh, and it's a thing. And normally we, he hasn't really ever had any friends in our neighborhood, you know, that he would go out and play with. We always go over to Amy's or to um, 
to Casey Fisher's or whatever, and and we're there and they play, or you know, I mean, on the occasion they'll we'll take them, drop them off, and go on an errand, and then return the favor or something. Well, Everett got off of his quarantine. You know, he had a a day a day off, and uh, I think you remember I told the story where I um <laughs> I said, "Hey, the kids are all outside playing," and he couldn't go outside because he had COVID and my wife was like, man, you are a dick. And I, was like, <laughs> I really am. I didn't even mean to do that. But anyway, long story short, he, one day, uh, Casey was still, uh, you know, tired and in bed or whatever. And she comes out and she just goes, well, where's Everett? And I go, he's outside playing with the kids, you know, like, well, what kids kids across the street, they're just out there playing. Well, what are they doing? Well, uh, that first of all, they were hitting the ball with a tennis racket. And then he came in and he asked if he could go in their backyard and get on the trampoline. And she goes, well, what did you say? I said, heck yeah, get back there and jump on their trampoline. And she <laughs> goes, you did? And I go, yeah. And then he comes back and he goes, hey, now I want to go to this girl's house. He never asked anybody's name. He still doesn't know anybody's fucking name. So I'm going to go to this girl's house next door. We have these, we have two houses that just moved in on our street. Both have five kids. And then two that the two little girls that live across the street, which was the first trampoline that they've lived there the whole time we have. So, you know, and so I've met. And so anyway, he's over there jumping on the trampoline and she goes, uh, well, did you text the mom or anything? And I go, no, I can see his head coming up and down on the thing, you know? And anyway, so let me back up and, and say to the audience, this is my third kid. You know, this is Casey's yeah. baby, you know, and she had him when she was a baby. You know, she, the, she's a 30 year old woman with her first child who's eight. And this is the first time he's just gone. See you guys later. It was yeah. documented. That's the first time. And she was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I, well, Jack was doing this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, well, you knew all the neighbors. Well, I know all these people. And, you know, you just trying to ration it into her head and not as in her words, be a crazy lady. Uh, and so she's just like, well, okay. With Jack, we did walkie talkies. That worked out great. You know, we, we did walkie talkies and, you know, he, it was, it was actually kind of fun because we could just, you know, tell him, check in with him. And of course I got to do 44 and, yeah. uh, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, so anyway, we start having the talk. Well, we've got this iPhone that's just sitting around that, um, what happened was, is that she needed a new phone, but she, it wasn't ready for an upgrade. And to me, the trade-in value of the phone wasn't worth me giving them the phone. So I just kept it. Um, I was like, well, we'll just have this as a backup or I'll just sell it. And the thing about iPhones is, is you can go four or five series and they hold their value really, really well, actually. Yeah. So we go, I go through all of this shit about the phone and I discover this family share plan with AT&T and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think we talked about it, at least the buildup of this on one episode. So I'll, I'll spare you guys. But essentially what we found was, is you can get a phone or a watch and you you don't it, and and basically back to the watch is where we're landing here you don't have to have another cell phone you can go hey i want to i want to do this watch for my kid from my phone and so um we got him an apple watch and it has been awesome we i mean it you know it's we got um a few you basically have to have like a 4 or up 
and I think they're on freaking seven now, um, which means we probably need to go get new watches. But uh, <laughs> I still got the one. <laughs> yeah, I think I have the two actually. Um, but I got mine after you guys. Um, so anyway, it's been great. Like we can see where he is all the time. He, you know, we can text him. Like the other day, he, um, he was. Uh, I mean, it's some of it's fucking just out of convenience. But the the, the big deal has been. He can go out and play, and then he can go. He can text us and go, "Hey, I'm gonna go over to that girl across the street's house and get on the trampoline, and you know, and this and this and this." The biggest thing for Casey is she has the GPS. She knows where he is all the time. You know, she can call him and tell him when to come in. You know, that kind of thing. So, I, I, I know that parents kind of go through this thing with the phone and all of this and and these kind of solutions a lot. And man, I went down all the rabbit holes. I did all the research. And there's really just not a phone out there that accomplishes what this fucking watch does. <laughs> you know? It it was it's well, crazy. I think that it it solves a lot of problems in both ways. Like it solves a lot of problems for the communication. Hey, you can text him back and forth. You can call him, he can call you, right? So there's there's that aspect. But with a phone, a lot of the a lot of problems are created by that solution, sure. the solution of communication. So then there's the problem of, well, are they going to have access to social media and the internet? And, you know, th then you kind of have to figure out how to, how to navigate all that crap. And with the watch, there's not so much that like no one's Facebooking or, you know, there's not, you're not going to be YouTubing or so surfing the web on the watch, right. but it's a great communication thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's working out great. So I, I would say that to any of, of our, uh, of our listeners out there, do the research. Um, you can, you can add this thing again, it's 10 bucks. You add the thing and then you just, you know, now he's got, and, and another great thing about it is you can, um, first two days he ran down the battery in school, just, you know, fucking with it, which, you know, it, I, I don't really have a problem with that, but you know, uh, Again, mom wants to know where he's at. So she's like, hey, you're on the bus and your thing is dead and, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, but you can do this thing where it just turns off during school, you know, like so during the school hours, it, it literally just tells him the time and that's it. Um, huh. so it's It's been a really nice little solution. Well, one of the other things I was going to say is, um, you know, Tyler, like I said, he's in fourth grade now. A lot of his friends have had phones for a while and he still doesn't. And part of it is I, I just don't want him to have a phone yet. And, and luckily we've been able to, if it's time to go to this practice or that practice, like someone's there, we don't have to drop him off. And, you know, like we're, we're hands on a lot with that. But the other, the other reason I haven't wanted to give him a phone is because he'll lose it, man. These kids can't keep up with anything. Right. Yeah. And so that watch is strapped onto his wrist. He's not going to lose it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got a protective screen on it. It's got Apple care. You know, so if he does bang it into something or whatever, you know, then that, you know, it's definitely, you know, again, it's you, we, the phone thing, man, I mean, putting a $1,200 fucking computer in a kid's pocket, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many screens Jack has broken. And, and, and honestly, I don't know anymore because their, their phone is their mom takes care of that now. Um, but I mean, God damn it. One time he, he. He, he got, I got a new screen on his phone and he went to school and the next day it was in his backpack and he threw his backpack down and broke the screen. Like had to come home I, and tell me that shit. I don't know how I would handle that. Yeah. I, it, it wouldn't be pretty. Um, 
I I handled it okay. I, I was I felt bad for him, but also just because of carelessness. I I do feel like um I, I admit that my kids probably don't value things as much as they should. Um part of the frustration on me would be that. Yeah. That would be a huge part of the frustration. Yep. But another part of the frustration, I think, like we've talked about messes before on the show, and yeah. I just I want to avoid making the mess. It's not so much that yeah. I don't like the mess; it's that I don't like the lack of thought going into creating the mess. I'm like, just with a little bit of forethought, that would have not happened. Sure, and that part would have driven me nuts. Hey, with if you wouldn't have put it in your backpack, and if you wouldn't have thrown your back, like it's very easily avoidable. Yeah, and that would have driven me insane. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And uh, and trust me, I mean, we went through all of this, and um, and I'm with you on the mess thing. I I don't know why I have the ability to foresee things that other people don't. You know, like I will literally set his dinner down and go, "Hey, man, uh, why don't you move that drink over there? Because you're I can already see that your left hand is gonna knock it over in just a second. And sure enough, there it goes. You know? Yeah. It's like I, I not my. It's like um, you know, like. You're, who was that? Oh, like you're Liam Neeson and Taken. I can just see it all, like, but just yeah. by being in the room, you know? And I don't want to sound like a dick. It's not the mess that upsets me. Whenever the mess happens, I don't get mad. Yeah. I just get mad, not mad. I get anxious, stressed out, frustrated with the lack of forethought of other people not seeing the possibility of the mess. Sure. Why can't you just, again, uh, every single morning, I have to say to him because I I make his breakfast, I put it down. He he, we have this little tray, cool little deal. It's basically for me, it's a place to put my water while I watch TV at night. But he starts to use it as a thing to eat his breakfast, and so he's got this thing where he eats his breakfast there, and the <clears throat> and the horses are outside, the dogs, and I'll go, hey, I'm about to let them in. Watch your food before they come in, so that they don't come over here and one bite that muffin. And sure enough, half the mornings, he in the time that I've just said all that, he's he's already moved on to whatever the hell they're doing on the television, and the the mastiff comes in and one bites the muffin, and he looks at me like, "Are what now what?" And I go, "Well, first of all, she ate the paper, you know, like." You tell me what we're going to do. <laughs> you know, let me let you solve this problem, you know? Um, all right. We got to take a break. Um, I'm super stoked about our guest this week. Um, we're all going to learn something, I think. And um, I, I, we've been trying to get him on for quite a bit, quite a while, actually. We got Simon Brady here, uh, who is a certified uh, financial planner, but he specializes in young adults and... Um, so, you know, me, I've got a kid going into college and there's so many questions I think that are going to come up in her life and in my life and helping her to plan, um, you know, what her future is going to be, you know, whatever it is she wants. So uh, we'll be right back with Simon. Y'all hang out for just a second. Welcome back to the Rockstar Dad Show. Gary, uh, again, we had Simon scheduled uh, to come on the show, and then uh, you got COVID and uh, locked yourself in your bedroom like a teenager um, <laughs> or a child trying to avoid a terrible summer, you know, 
And you know, the, the funny thing of saying like a teenager is uh, I did get so bored being locked in that room, but I, I was secluding myself from my family that uh, a couple of times I did sneak out the window to get outside and just walk around a little bit. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Guys, our guest today um, is Simon Brady, um, who uh, is a certified uh, financial planner and who um, basically specializes in, if I'm not, I'll, I'll let you tell it, Simon, but something, it's a niche that I think is going to be really important to our audience because we've got a lot of parents of teenagers who have this this you know and then a, a lot of uh teenagers who are young adults now who've listened to bowling for soup for 15 years who are right here in your wheelhouse of this 20s and 30s and what the heck to do with their money so um how you doing today i'm doing good thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it now, where are you from? First of all, I, I can uh, I can I can hear that you're obviously from um, somewhere in the Netherlands. I'm kidding. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm <just. laughs> uh, I was born and brought up in uh, in London. Um, I came over here. Uh, oh my God, thirty years ago, probably. Yeah. Um, so I've actually spent more time in the U.S. than I did growing up in England. But um, I came over originally for two years on an assignment and that just uh, stretched out to a lot more. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm very much at home here now. When I go back to England, I feel more like a visitor there <laughs> now. Do they think you sound funny when you go back? Yes, or just, they yeah. do. Yes, they do. It's so I funny, get, so I funny get how that happens. Abuse. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get abuse. So you, you basically, um, have, again, have specialized in creating financial planning and investment plans and helping young adults um, and young yeah. young people who are just really entering the workforce or whatever who may not really even know how to start planning for their future. I mean, that's what you do, right? Yes. Um, when my, my background uh, prior to becoming a financial planner was a Wall Street trading background. Uh, but when I shifted over into financial planning, I, I sort of determined that that demographic you just described um, is really underserved um, in, in a number of ways. One is just in general, the state of financial literacy is nothing is taught in schools, nothing is taught in colleges. No one uh, is even told how to manage a checking account, let alone credit cards, let alone investing. And then at the age of 18, you're having them take out $100,000 loans, not knowing what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I think there's this, there's this group of people in that demographic who are learning on the fly. And it's, it can be very dangerous because so many life events are happening to them between you know, college and, say, their early 40s. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're starting to earn money. They've got debt management to deal with. They're meeting people. They're getting engaged. They're getting married. They're commingling finances, buying homes, having kids, getting divorced. I mean, you know, you know the routine. Sure. Um, and, you know, in many, many cases, they've no, they've no grounding, and they're making these, you know, enormously financially consequential decisions um, from a very un- uh, a standpoint where they haven't received any educational guidance. So I figured um, it can be done. That's the that's the area for me to focus on. Yeah, there, you know it's funny. You start you start with that with the early 
uh, young adults going into college and things like that. It's like, you know, again, not being able to balance a checkbook, which I guess, you know, this day and age, we, we will stop saying eventually uh, and switch that to something else. Um, but we all know what that means. We all know what it means. Too. Exactly. You're, you're so right. You know, it's like cart before the horse kind of thing. We don't really all do that, but we know what it means. Um, you know, but the, the, but you're so right. I mean, my, my brother, you know, uh, used to run college residencies and he would be like, you know, these kids come here. They don't know how to do their own laundry. They don't know how to do this. They don't know how to do this. And then there's a table full of credit card applications. That's just sitting right in front of them. They can have anything that they want, you know, and they're going to get approved at that age. Cause they're at that university because they know that s- somehow those, th- those things are going to get paid off. Plus their insane interest and, you know, those kind of things. So, um, you know, it does, it starts, it starts there, right? I mean, do you, are, do you mm-hmm. even get into that, that like work with, you know, I don't know, parents or, or 18 year old kids on, you know, okay, you know, like let's budget for college, this kind of thing. I, I would certainly, I have had a, a couple of occasions uh, where um, an 18 year old has shown up. One time it was on his own volition. The other time he was sort of ushered in by his parents. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, you know, I will, one of the ways I deal with clients, um, and this is, this is sort of important because it means I am able to deal with this demographic as opposed to most financial advisors, but one service I offer is a simple two-hour session, um, which can be paid for in one, one, uh, a one-time fee. We sit down for two hours. And, you know, obviously you're limited to what you can get done in two hours, but in two hours you can get across to, uh, you know, a a college-age kid the very, very basics of credit cards, of how much are they taking out in student loan debt, what to expect with student loan debt. Um, And, you know, if they're a little bit more towards the end, what what it's like in your first job. I mean, what is a 401k, Mm. even down to something as basic as that? Yeah. so uh, because of my compensation structure where I'm not taking commissions on transactions, I don't need these people to invest, you know, shed loads of money with me. Um, I don't need to be able to sell them some stupid life insurance policy, which is, you know, the state with a lot of other advisors. I'm paid on a fee for service basis, like an old time lawyer, right? I'm paid by the hour. Right. Um, so if somebody wants to sit and talk about that or if somebody wants to drag their 18, 20-year-old kid into a meeting with me, that, uh, I'll do that. <laughs> sure. um, and, yeah, I, I, have, I have had that. And it's, it's, it's astonishing um, the sort of looks you get when you're talking to people about credit cards, bank accounts, student loan debt, mm. investing. Um, that there's, there's just not a lot of, uh, not a lot of um, education out there. Not a lot of guidance. You know, when you – Sorry, go ahead, Jared. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I know a lot of the time people don't even start thinking about their finances until either A, they've already messed up and they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole, or B, maybe they haven't messed up, but you know, it's it's once they're somewhat established and, and they're doing okay, and then they start thinking about it and they're like, well, I wish I would have started this earlier. And And starting at a younger age, if you start even small, it makes a huge difference, but no one's thinking about it at that younger age. Is there a conversation or a concept or something that you, you would say to, you, you could think to spark that interest in younger kids? Cause they just don't, they're not interested at a, at a younger age. I thought about this 
for a long time, Gary, and I actually ended up writing an article which got picked up on by Business Insider, and I can, I can send you a copy of it. But basically, it was a, it was a simple mathematical, um, it was a mathematical premise that how much do you have to save each month to be able to wake up on your 65th birthday with $1 million in the bank account? Ah. Uh, it, made a, it made a load of assumptions about, you know, rates of return, taxes, fees, and all that sort of stuff. But leaving that aside, the, the point of the exercise was to show that in your, if you start that process in your 20s, it's, and I haven't got it in front of me, it's 200 and something dollars a month. Wow. Um, if you start that at 30, I think it's up to like $580 a month. If you start that at 35, it starts going beyond 1,000 a month. So what this demonstrates is that just as Gary just said, if you, even if you start small, you're just making your life so much easier in 20 years time uh, by, by making this gesture. And we all know what it's like in our 20s, right? There's so many demands on our money. Well, mm -hmm. until a year ago, there was. <laughs> um, but uh, if, you, if, you, if you are lucky enough to have a job that has good income, if you're lucky enough to have a job that offers a, a 401k or something like that, um, so there's a place to put the money. Or if you've met with somebody who knows this, um, you're just making life so much easier for yourself going forward. Um, and unfortunately, as Gary sort of alluded to, people waking up when they're 40 years old, when the kid is 12, um, it just becomes such an enormous hurdle at that point. Um, but in some, some, sometimes people just throw their arms up and say, I just can't deal with this. But if they started doing something about it when they were 22, 23, 24, um, they, they'd still, they'd still be, uh, they'd still be in the game. Sure. I want to get into how you even begin to even get in the game of investing. But I think one of the things that I really wanted to cover early is Gary's a realtor and, you know, I'm sure he probably has some insight to this, but where should owning your own home, you know, rank as far as like when you're you're in your twenties and thirties, you know, I want to own my own house. I want to own own my own house. Where should that be in terms of just your financial planning and you know versus renting? I'm in New York City, uh, and it's a different <laughs> discussion here. It's a different discussion here. Yeah. Um, you know, when you say owning a home, you could be talking about owning a very, very small apartment for a million dollars. Mm. Um, so it's a, it is a different discussion here than than in a lot of other places. But generally speaking, um, I would say there are probably six or seven ducks you need to get in a row before you even start thinking about buying a place. Um, and that, is, you know, among those are... Uh, what I talked about earlier, which is getting on track with some sort of retirement planning, um, saving and investing. Another one is having an emergency fund, right? Um, having the money that, and we've all just seen how important that is, right? If something catastrophic happens, where's the cash? If, if you've plowed all your money into a house and you need $3,000 for a medical procedure, what are you going to, I mean, you can't sell your, your den, or your basement. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the liquidity is important. Um, 
And, uh, you know, uh, have you got, if you're married with kids, have you got a will in place? Have you dropped, you know, where, how much money it is to get a, a lawyer to draw up a will? Have you got some life insurance in place in case something happens to you and your spouse? Um, so I'd say there are a bunch of ducks that can get lined up. Um, my general sense, again, this could be a New York centric thing, but my general sense is people, younger people tend to want to buy before they're ready to. They underestimate the cost of ownership of a, of a, of a, um, of a home. Um, they underestimate what it will do to their cash flow. I mean, we probably all know we've, if we've owned a place that, you know, it can cost a fortune just to just to keep treading water with with home ownership, right? And again, New York centric property taxes can be absolutely obscene here. Sure. Um, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars for three bedroom houses and stuff like that. Where's where's that cash flow going to come from? Um, so I do find a tendency for people to want to jump in too early, um, and I have told people to pump the brakes on that. Um, Put it this way, I tell more people to pump the brakes on that than I do uh, tell people to, uh, you know, speed, speed up the process. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, it, it comes into, I think, like sort of this um, sort of this mirage, so to speak, of economics. Right. You, you if, if I'm renting an apartment, for example, and uh, that's, let's say, fifteen hundred dollars a month. And then my friend and we're in Texas. Houses are cheap here. I mean, like really cheap. So. You know, for two thousand dollars a month with a, with a mortgage, you're living in a really nice house. You know, and so I'm I'm fifteen hundred dollars a month, and my friend over here has a mortgage, and they're living in this house, and it's theirs, and it's two thousand dollars. Yeah, for me, like that that's how my mind works. But what and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You're, you're okay, but then when the fence falls down, that's your responsibility. When the you know when the water main water line goes out, that's four grand. You know, there's the air conditioner, which is you know seven hundred dollars just to get them to come out and look at it. You know, um, herein lies where where you're not probably ready, I guess, Gary. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm to your point, like the, the mathematics, you're sitting there going, okay, that makes sense. But whenever you're at a younger age, what happens when the roommate moves out and then you can't afford your mortgage payment, right? Or uh, the cool thing about renting is you your lease runs up at the end of the year. And if your job changes, you can move. Or if you don't like the place, yep. you can move. You're, sure. Um, you, I think that home ownership at one point becomes important, but you kind of need to be established and ready and stable. I think that the, there, there's a whole generation, though, of us that grew up. I mean, I, weren't we told that your house is your biggest and best investment? Like, you know, weren't we taught that at a young age that like you're supposed to buy a yep. home because that's the best place to put your money? And yep, American dream and all that. Yeah. And maybe that's just not right. And and if that's not right, what's the best thing? I'm 22 years old. I just got my first job and I've never invested. I want to get started. What's what's my first move? I think the first move there is to um, take a look at what's going on with you uh, income and expense wise. Uh, if you're a 22 year old who's fortunate enough to have either minimal or no student loan debt, uh, you can jump into the savings and investing pool a lot quicker than somebody who's got 50 grand 
you know, student loan debt that needs to be needs to be serviced. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to have got yourself a job with a with a good income and a 401k, uh, you've immediately got a bucket that you can start throwing money into without lifting a finger, right? With the sure. 401k. Um, but you know, not everybody's in that situation. Maybe you've got a job that's not that well paid. You've got student loan debt, and the employer doesn't offer a 401k. In that case. Um, that's where this generation actually is fortunate compared to us is that it really is so easy. Um, there are a number of um, online, uh, and I'm not talking about Robin Hood here, uh, there are a number <laughs> of online, online resources where you can save and invest as opposed to screw around. Um, and it's extremely easy. You simply put an electronic link to your bank account. If you yeah. get paid on the first, first and 15th of each month, then you just have money moved on the second and 16th of each month into an investment account. Um, it's extremely easy now. What, where you probably need help from someone like me is setting up that, not setting up that investment account. And by setting up, I don't mean showing you how, showing, you know, Millennials, how to log in. They know how to do that much better than I do. But I'm talking about um, setting up the asset allocation for the different accounts that you've got. Uh, understanding a little bit about the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA and a 401k, how it works, why is it advantageous to do one over the other. Um, and, and it's also as much what you don't do as what you do do. So we just talked about you know, diving headlong recklessly into home ownership. Well, that's something that, you know, you need someone to tell you to be careful about. Um, and then there's other predatory uh, advisors out there, people trying to sell whole life insurance policies to 24-year-olds and things like that. Um, you need to know what not to do. And we've just experienced in the last two or three weeks a great example of what not to do. It's just get swept up in some ridiculous mania about, um, you know, with the GameStop and AMC and everything else, um, throwing enormous amounts of money into Bitcoin. Um, so it's, 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 it can be as much about avoiding temptation as, as anything else. Yeah, it you know it's funny those things happen and you're you're you know like you're on the sidelines and you you're just, and you know I met a guy at a bar one day that was just like yeah I I invested in Bitcoin early had no idea what I was doing and I'll never work again and you're just like well I want to do that you know like, <laughs> how do I get involved in that you know but it's you know it's one of those things right it's it's like that doesn't happen for everybody, I guess, is the, uh, no. is the bottom line, you know, that, that should be the game plan. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, uh, not necessarily the game. You know, I, that's funny that you brought up the, the, um, the sites. I mean, I, we, they're not a sponsor, but I'll tell you one of the things that I do. I wonder what you think about it, but I, um, I use acorns and it basically love it. Just, love acorns. Yeah. It just rounds up all of your purchases on your credit cards to the next dollar or your, whatever, or you can put $10 a month or $20 a month in there. And they, and then you tell it whether you want it to be, um, moderate level or high risk or low risk. And it just does all the work for you. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, like it, it really does work. Um, I've got it at moderate and it just rounds up my credit cards and it, it's, it's actually made, you know, I mean, over the, and it shows you too, like if you started this right, if you're 20 right now, right. And you started on acorns, it'll show you 
you know, at the at the rate that you're going, what you're going to have, and you'll be surprised. You know, so I love. I, it's cool to hear that you that you like that app. I love it, and um, the other thing it allows you to do, you know, financial planners are very uh, fond of saying things like, "Well, if you, you know, you didn't, spend, if you did, if you had one coffee a day instead of two, and you saved yourself five bucks a day, and this would be this." You can actually on Acons, you can actually literally put five dollars a day into into right. the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put any frequency, any amount. Uh, it's invested in what I would um, endorse as very, very good low cost Vanguard index funds. Um, and yes, it's almost the rounding up feature almost permits you to save without really feeling it. So I'm a I'm a huge fan of Acorns. Huge fan. Is uh, your company pronounced Anglia? Yes. Oh, Anglia Advisors, uh, and this is Simon Brady. We're talking to. Um, this is this is good stuff. I'm. I'm. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna take a super quick break. We'll be right back. Y'all hang out. Welcome back to the Rockstar Dad Show. We're uh, live here on Adobe Radio or wherever you are listening to podcasts. After we're not live on, when we're not even live anyway. This is recorded. Uh, and it's me and Gary, and we're talking to Simon Brady from Anglia. Um, did I miss? Did I mess that up? Anglia. You got it right the first time. Anglia, that's right. I talked Anglia. myself out of it. I talked myself out of it. Uh, <laughs> he's the owner of Anglia Advisors, and um, you know, someone who would be great to talk to if you're a young adult. Uh, but it actually—I mean, I'm learning a lot, and I'm 48. I don't know anything about investing all of this we i even took a class on it in high school i have two college degrees and i know nothing now i have a financial planner i do invest in my um you know in my sep and my you know i've got uh 529s for my kids for college and, and all of that but sometimes you just want to play around and goof off with with you know with stocks and things like that is that something that you recommend doing at a low level just to sort of learn how it all works? Or do you think people should leave it to the professionals? I'm, I think it's a very good way, a very cheap lesson to goof off with some stocks and like take a bath on it when you're 25 and you're doing it with 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that can be a pretty good life lesson. Um, Unfortunately, and again, we've seen this in the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, um, what can happen is you get lucky and it is luck. It's not anything other than luck. You get lucky early on and you suddenly mistake uh, luck for skill Mm. and you think you can do this and you start getting hurt at higher levels. Um, But generally speaking, um, if somebody has, I talked earlier about getting ducks in a row if somebody has is is making a good uh, saving at a good rate saving and investing at a good rate has got um you know uh, an emergency fund either in place or well on the way um is got college planning kind of uh sorted it out if they want to go and mess around with with some money that they can afford to lose and that their life will not change if they lose if they have to scratch that itch, then, then absolutely go ahead, but don't mistake that for, um, investing. Don't mistake that for preparing for retirement. Don't mm. mistake that for be, uh, creating a resource in the future. It's, it's recreational. It yeah. really is no different than going to 
Las Vegas. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's a trip to the casino, right? It's just, yeah, it, it, it's entertainment. <laughs> it's fun. You're only going to do, you should yeah. only do that with what you can afford to lose. Right. Yeah. What you can afford to totally lose. Like if it, if, if it just evaporates, your life doesn't change. If that's the case and it's a small part of your net worth, a small part of your portfolio, um, then, you know, who am I to deny anybody that, that fun? But you need to have the other shit ready. So Sorry. I am... Um, allowed I, to say that or not. This, yeah, you can say Good whatever work. you want. We, we, okay. I, so I did this. I, I'm not a stocks guy. I, again, I have a guy. He's been the same guy that I've had my entire adult life, you know. But I decided, hey, uh, when Howard Stern signed with Sirius XM, I'm like, that stock's going to go fucking nuts, right? And so I invested, I don't know, 500 or or $1,000 in it and something, you know, and it was only like $2. And I think the highest it ever went was maybe 6 And that stock got so low that it just, my account just went away. <laughs> like, I think I was on E-Trade or something, and I just didn't have an account anymore. Like, they were just like, well, we don't, there's nothing left, Jarrett. That's the end of that. Um, and so, yeah, it, you know, you're, you're, I'm so, it's, it's actually nice to hear both of you guys say, you know, that, that there's, that it's so much luck involved because I just sit there and go, what am I missing? Like, how did I not know that, you know, Walmart was going to split two for one 15 times in the eighties? Like how, 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 shouldn't I, as a 12 year old known that? You know, but uh, unfortunately, I did not. Um, so, uh, you know, I uh, so now let's talk about something else. Now, let's say I'm in my 40s. I've lived my life. I'm super famous and I have no investments. I'm just kidding. I, I, I was trying to make that about me, but I have I, we've already talked about that. I have a guy. Um, let's say, though, somebody's in their 40s. They've lived their life. They've gone through a divorce or two or whatever. They just don't have those things. Is there a way for them? I mean, I know that there's a way, but it, is there how are they going to limp into this thing? And or do they need to be more on the like, hey, I need to be thinking about this like now a lot. I think they need to be thinking about this now a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a, a lot of what they need to do is what they need not to do. Uh, if that makes any sense. Um, almost the first thing I would do um, if somebody like that came to me as a client would be to um, disavow them of certain, uh, of certain thoughts and ideas and strategies that they may be falling into. Because obviously, if they are becoming uh, anxious at that time, and as you say, maybe there's been a divorce, kids are now only five years from college instead of 15 years from college, and you, you know you start looking at those college numbers, uh, and they're absolutely terrifying. Um, and I think what needs to the, almost the first thing I would do with a client like that is is to calm them down and tell them, look, this can be done, but there's some stupid shit you've got to avoid and there's things you need to do and you need to start doing it immediately. Right. Um, one of the big handicaps of dealing with clients who are older rather than clients who are younger is you cannot be as aggressive with your investments because a 25 year old can put a hundred percent of their investments into stocks and who cares if the market crashes, it doesn't matter. Right. Because they're, they're, they're four decades away from, 
taking the money out. Sure. In fact, in fact, if the market crashes, it's probably beneficial to them because it means they'll be buying for the next few years at lower prices. But if you're 45, 50 years old, and you're you know five to ten years from uh, retirement or um, semi-retirement, uh, you 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 don't have the time to recover from what the market could do to your investment. So you've got to be more conservative. And what that means, of course, is that, you know, uh, your investments grow at a slower rate. So again, it's, it's everything compounds against you at this stage, sure. but um, there are investments, um, low cost investments. Um, I'm not going to say low risk, but, but, but the risk profile of these investments is, is preferable for someone in that age group. Um, you're not, I'm not going to put someone like that 100% into Tesla or anything um, because you just can't take that risk. Mm -hmm. But you need to grind higher. And what becomes most important then is not so much, to, and people get very confused about this, what matters the most, particularly at that age, is not so much what the rate of return is, um, it's, how much you, it's how much you contribute. What do, what do you actually, how much do you actually invest in? Because that is the real um, determinant of what your final outcome is going to be, when, particularly when you're older. When you're younger, a good proportion of what will be in your account in 40 years' time is going to be from what, how it's grown. Um, when you're older, the vast majority of what's going to be in your account is what you've put in there. Because you just haven't, you just haven't got the the facility to to grow it as as fast or as much. What do you say to? Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I um my my I, this this is a lesson that I just learned. I wonder what you're thinking about it. Um, you know, I you know I have an 18 year old. Um, I I'm divorced. Um, from her her and my oldest son's mom. So we have money set aside for college that we've been putting there and there and there and then. Uh, but after two to two and a half, three years, that's going to be gone and they're going to have that year of college left. Um, and my ex and I differ on, you know, whether uh, I'll just tell you, she thinks that she th well, now I've changed my mind, but she thought, OK, well, that's on her now. You know, that's her deal. She'll be in her 20s and you know three years of college and, her, and and i was like no 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 we've got to pay for this and blah 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 and, you know yada yada my my uh advisor called me back after that call and was like look you you don't go into debt putting your kids through college you know um and 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 i see you nodding and and so that you know i again i'm from that generation i think of like you know okay my dad was like i'm putting you you know if you go to college you make good grades i'm gonna pay for it you know and he did uh, but i went to a very very cheap school and that was in the late 80s i mean early 90s um so yeah th so and now i am of the of the school of okay when that when their fund runs out it's gonna be on them and they'll figure it out rather than me you know take upon just all that more debt because i need to be thinking about you know 15 20 years down the road i think your advisor is very uh very it's very very good that he gave you that advice if you think about it um it's not perhaps ideal but college can be funded through loans and debt retirement cannot be 
Ah. And that's a very that's a very important distinction. Um, there's the you know the allegory of uh, putting your mask on on the airplane before helping people around you. If you think about it, if you go into enormous amounts of debt to get your kid through college to get a really good job when they come out, and they're spending 20% of their really good jobs, really high salary, funding two destitute parents. And it's not really going to, uh, it doesn't really work that way. So I completely agree with the strategy of um, putting, not damaging your own retirement prospects by uh, funding kids college. If you can do both, do both. Um, but if you have to start making any choices, always, always, always be selfish about that. Always keep your retirement in place. The kid can, one way or another, the kid can get through college. As I say, it's not ideal, but you can't, you can't play those cards in retirement. Knowing what a um, huge advantage it is to getting started investing early, is there something you would advise doing for kids if you've already got your retirement plan and you're comfortably funding that, you've got your uh, 529 or you've got some kind of college education fund set up for the kids and you're comfortably funding that and everything's going according to game plan. Then if you have something else, is there anything you could do to start setting your kid up for some kind of investment or would you advise, hey, dump that extra money into more retirement or more education because those costs are going up? If you're fortunate enough that, that you have got, you know, to keep using the expression, those ducks in a row and they're all lined up and there's still funds available and your inclination is to use those funds to benefit your children, um, then there, there are a number of things you can do. Um, one of which is not give them the money um, because, uh, you know, there's, there's, well, first of all, there can be gift tax elements and stuff like that. But secondly, um, I don't know what you guys were like at 18, but <laughs> uh, the thought that uh, if I inherited a significant amount of money or came into a significant amount of money at 18, the idea that I do anything sensible with it at all is just, is just idiotic. Um, so I think you have to recognize that, um, you know, this, uh, you need to stagger these, um, these things, but what I, I would recommend doing rather than just giving it to them or even putting it into account in their name is, is, is targeted, um, tell them that, you know, you, you can perhaps bring forward the day that they do make that real estate purchase by contributing to to a down payment, or if they want to go on and, and some form of further education, whether it be an MBA or whether it be even something specific to their own industry where they want to get themselves um, better qualified because people underestimate the investment of human capital. Um, you know, you, you're, you, you are your own ATM, if you like, in terms of, of the money you have. And if you can put money into better educating yourself, getting yourself further ahead in the field you're in, whatever that field may be, that's money really well spent um, because it, 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 it compounds into a higher earning capacity, which can go on for many years, many decades. So uh, I would encourage them to do that. I would dangle 
dangle things in front of them and say, you know, if, uh, if, if you're prepared to go down this educational route, I'll, I'll fund that. I think those kind of things, um, more thought out things uh, are definitely preferable to, hey, kid, here's a check. It's good. Uh, <clears throat> it's good advice, guys. If you're interested, uh, in or your child, or if you know anybody that uh, is interested in this, which I certainly am, uh, Simon Brady. He's at AngliaAdvisors.com, and uh, I'm just going to read your specialty areas because I, I, there's so many to talk about. Suddenly, single individuals following divorce or widowhood, younger professional individuals, couples and families in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, foreign nationals living and working in the U.S. on visas, green cards. Individual families seeking non-complex estate planning, employers looking to set up financial education programs for their employees. And uh, as you said, you know, this is cool. It's it's just an hourly flat flat fee, no no uh, commissions. And so I think uh, talking to you for an for I, I feel like I just got a free session, you know, and uh, and uh, so anywhere else people can find you. Are you on social media or anything there, uh, Simon? Um, we. Uh, Financial advisors, we have those regulations about social media. We're a little bit, uh, we're a little bit handcuffed into what we can do there. And I am a solo practitioner, so I don't have uh, a social media department full of, uh, you know, twenty-three-year-olds uh, <laughs> saying hilarious Twitter things on, on Twitter. Me. Um, so I don't. I do tend to focus um, focus everything on the website. I do have a, a blog which is accessible through the website. But if you go to angliaadvisors.com, there's a contact page there. Um, as Jarrett just said, the, the, the pricing is all very transparent. It's all up there down to the dollar, what, what, what it costs to work with me. Um, so the website's the best place to go. Awesome. Simon, this has been a real pleasure. Um, uh, I may, may want to have you back on in a, in a year or two when, uh, when Emma's uh, to that point in college to get another, uh, get another session. And uh, I'd be uh, I'd be happy to. And thanks so much for having me on, guys. Appreciate you, man. And enjoy the rest of your week. Stay warm up there. I'll try. Thanks. Bye bye. This is a song for my friends, Jared and Gary. They started a podcast and said a theme was necessary. They're just a couple of guys in a band that you know. Some rock star dads who started a show. Until the next episode. <laughs>